Welcome back to the Tapes Archive podcast, where we release rare interviews that need to be heard. In this episode, we have the one and only Diamond David Lee Roth. At the time of this interview in 1988, Roth was 34 years old and was promoting his skyscraper tour and record. In the interview, Roth talks about Diamond Enterprises, if he thinks Ed and Al are sober, and what's wrong with Van Halen, and he critiques Axl Rose, Ozzy, and Bon Jovi. The interview is conducted by Steve Harris. To learn more about Steve, please check out our podcast-only interview with him, which is out now. One last thing before we get to the interview, the Tapes Archive podcast is a proud member of Osiris Media, a global community connecting passionate fans with podcasts and experiences about artists and topics you love. Thanks for tuning in, and now it's time to open the vault. These are not all my own questions. A lot of come from the Editor's Magazine. These are not all my own answers. <laughs> <laughs> so I take, I take all of the credit and none of the responsibility. All right. <laughs> you must be from Hollywood. <laughs> You must be my liar. <laughs> we all know that you work very hard to kind of display yourself as sort of the, the, the wild man of rock and roll. I don't display myself like that. I think people perceive of that often because you get little bits and pieces of me in a video or you get a little bit and a piece off of a song or a record. Most people don't listen to whole records at all. You hear a bit and a piece on the radio or something in somebody's car when you're going somewhere. But as far as proposing that to you directly not at all what i proposed to you is little busby berkeley mixed in with some real intense discipline and people will see one thing or the other and ah, lock right into that but i think it's pretty evident <clears throat> to the average person of what's going on here and it's it, there's a variety of things it's layered it's like an onion not a bell pepper man there's a lot inside of it layer after layer bell peppers are empty I remember talking to uh, Rudolph Shanker of the Scorpions. He said that, you know, explained for 30 minutes how it's completely different off stage than he is on stage. I don't buy that. That, that. that dog won't hunt, man. I'm so tired of hearing people tell us about, no, that was created by my management. That's not really me. You know, no, 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 no. What you get here in the interview is the same as what you get on stage, same as what you get on the records, you know. There's a little, there's a little, Bit of eccentric there. There's certainly uh, there's a lot of imagination at work here, or at least I'm trying to, you know. But it's natural, and the interview that you'll get here today won't be the same as what you get tomorrow, because that ain't human. Same as for the shows. What's Diamond Enterprises? Diamond Dave Enterprises is everything. Most bands hire everything out. When Huey Lewis makes a record, he hires somebody to produce it for him. He hires somebody to design and direct his video for him. He hires somebody to design his album cover for him. He hires a choreographer <laughs> to work with him. On and on and on. Time Dave Enterprises is all of that in the same basement. And that's been a process of evolution since day one, ten years ago. Well, actually, it's 15 years ago, it's, there was music before albums for me. <laughs> yeah, and that way I can get a little closer, you know, to that last one half percent of what's what, you, what you're dreaming, what's in your mind or in your heart or in your pants, depending on the subject matter. <laughs> yeah, see, because as an artist, 
you're only going to get 99.5% close. Usually it's closer to 40% for what it is you dream. Dreaming and executing the move, two different things. I can teach it to you in three minutes. See you in three years. <laughs> okay? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the approach here, or at least that's how I perceive life. And, wow, you know, okay, why produce? To get a little closer to what's inside my head, you know. Why direct videos? To get a little closer to what's really what we're really about here, whether that's as far as the sense of humor or whether that's about uh, the music or whether, whatever it is, what's happening on stage, to realize those dreams and, and see them come out the way they actually are in your, in your imagination. She reminds me of uh, Nightmare Productions, which is, has always managed Journey and have kept everything in-house as well. Mm -hmm. Everything they do under the banner right there. Sure. Uh, but of course, that's controlled by the manager. Mm -hmm. With Herbie, Herbie Herbert. Herbie Herbert. Sure. How about in your case? Are you the Svengali of the whole organization? I'm the dictator, but I'm I'm very benevolent. <laughs> I surround myself with a number of people, continually changing cast of characters, who are expert hyper professionals in each of their fields, who have great inspirations, who are colorful and eccentric who are to the left of center, because I find that inspiring, because it can also squeeze you to death if you close off the outside world, and that's what Herbie has done, you know. He becomes a smaller and smaller instead of bigger and bigger. Yeah, maybe Herbie's not a good example. I don't know so much about their business now. But you can, you can, I'm sure you can understand what I'm saying. That if you close yourself up and say, oh, I'm only, I'm going to do this now and just me, I'm going to do that now, etc., you become, your neighborhood gets smaller and smaller as opposed to handing out green cards right and left. Okay, you got to qualify. But yeah, because there's going to be a mutual inspiration thing there. It's like a think tank. You're going to, exchange of ideas, etc. But there's got to be a leader. There's no such thing as true democracy in, in a band or anywhere else, in any other thing, whether it's politics or what have you. Not for long, there isn't. Does that approach out more to your own personality or just street smarts you picked up along the way? I think street smarts. I think that's perceptions that I've learned along up and down this highway is... We're seeing how other people do it. I read constantly. Printed words, closest thing to my heart. And seeing how people do it, seeing things in their true light, in their true nature, you know. My own personal nature is to work ensemble as opposed to being an auteur. I find it much more adventuresome. I find it much more colorful. And more frequently than not, I merely preside over the accidents. How's it working out, though? Is it uh, are things going to your uh, satisfaction right now? Never. No. <laughs> I'm stressed out of my mind. But what's new? <laughs> but what's new? <laughs> that ain't news. I don't even know why we're talking about it. All of you who are reading this know it already. <laughs> do, you, do you follow the business trends and like what everybody else is doing with, with their careers and stuff? I'm curious to see what people are doing, but I find more often than not it's a case of learning what not to do. I'm fascinated by the little dances that we do for each other, especially under the guise of business or academia. Did I pronounce that right? <laughs> Doesn't matter. We're reading this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm fascinated. I like people. I like to watch. You know, I like to be a part of it, but I really like people in all the different aspects. Henceforth, the jungle trips. Henceforth, going on the road 
more or less permanently, henceforth, on and on. And, uh, yeah, but I find that most of our colleagues in the music business, I think that's a polite way of putting it, don't know their ass from all on the ground, much less a microphone. <laughs> What's the problem with it, Dave? It's not that so many people are incapable. It's simply a matter of having to put in the hundreds of hours of legwork so that you can develop your own approach or, or at least even participate in it. And you take your average musician, you spend all those years in the beer bar learning a certain skill, a craft, a certain art. You learn how to execute the maneuver, right? You got to learn to play with the flute. You got to learn what to do when the guitarist breaks a string. You got to learn how to add on and on and on. Now you have your Mercedes Benz and somebody tells you, now you have to start all over again. You got to start from the ground up learning a whole variety of things, whether that's business approach or uh, propaganda. Ah, propaganda is a beautiful thing, but there are basics to learn before you can accelerate into your own style, just like anything else. I was never afraid of putting in the time. There's no goal. So when you ask me, are you satisfied? Are you happy? Never, because I never really set the goal. I never feel like I'm even close to anything. But at the same time, I'm right in my element in that we're going, we're doing, we're always adding in addition to what's gone before. Hmm. Who have been your heroes, mentors? Usually I make the joke, certainly nobody musical. <laughs> I have a hundred dozen musical influences. You know, Wilson Pickett, Sam and Dave, Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, Motown, uh, Ray Charles, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, <laughs> The Doors, you know, on and on. Outside of that, I take just as much hyper-inspiration from Florence Griffith Gaynor, who's going to do the 109.3 this time, and Sergei Bubka, who's going to jump 20. You know, these are, I use these illustrations because they're right on your TV. You say people don't get bits and snatches of you. Do you think you're being perceived correctly or perceived in the way you want to be? I think the message that we're transmitting is hitting home with increasing regularity, death-defying regularity. The message is imagination. Otherwise, there's a lot of distractions. Otherwise, people are distracted by the visual or by as simple things as an interview. You know, I like to talk. I learn a little bit about me. learn a little bit about you. That's why I do it. And these are distractions very often to people, you know. You only get little bits and pieces. You get one interview here, one video there. Video is only three minutes, 14 seconds. I can hold my breath that long, much less have a technical idea and try and squeeze it into that amount of time. That's the nature of the beast can do. I'm a, I'm a real musician. I'm a real professional trooper. That means I can do anything. You want to play a stadium? It's a different kind of show than playing in a bar. I can do both, and I like both. I don't prefer either one. I do it because that's part of my art. That's part of my skill. And you're going to have to go along for the ride for quite a while here. It's all cumulative. It's all adding up. There's no one specific moment in time here that you can sum it up. Now, most bands that I see, and I'm a critical character... Most bands that I know of, or I can think of, you see one video, you listen to two songs, and that's the beginning and the end. The fat lady has sung and left. <laughs> it's the same with, with people very often. Right? So I look for the, for the opposite. 
in people and music and whatever it is. And that I'm making statements in time, but it's a lot of time, a lot to be added up here. If anything, that gives you longevity. What we're all waiting to hear is that Diamond Dave really likes to spend the bulk of his time, the bulk of his time at home pawing his stamp collection and mournfully listening to Joan Baez albums. <laughs> no, no, not me. I, I, I pace in front of the roaring fireplace and curse the servants of treachery. <laughs> nah. I get all of me out of books, out of magazines, and off of a screen somewhere, and out of a radio speaker somewhere. Inspires me to not just, God, there's two kinds of people. I call one kind the, I used to, and the other ones are called my friend Joe. Okay? <laughs> now, you know these people. You send whatever you say to them, you say, hey, what about the Olympics? I used to run track. Well, hey, what about that uh, new development in science? Oh, I used to be in biology. They used to do everything. They don't do anything now. <laughs> or, <laughs> or you have the second one, which is the My Friend Joe. Hey, what about the Olympics? You know, My Friend Joe runs track. <laughs> hey, did you see that picture of a mountain? You know, My Friend Joe climbs mountains. Well, what do you do? Nothing. <laughs> I don't want to be that. Not going to be that. No reason to be that. The things I get involved in cost very little money. The people that I climb with live on $2,500, $3,000 a year out of the back of their station wagons, you know. The travels that I go to, how much does a backpack cost? I'm going to use up a pair of shoes a year. That's all. And places that you go, believe me, are very low priced. <laughs> you go to New Guinea, pack of cigarettes. That means 50 of them, each one of them nine inches long, cost you about a quarter. <laughs> so let's go. Let's do it. Let's be Joe. Let's get involved. And I don't see that as being exotic at all. It is for musicians. Musicians don't do nothing. They don't do anything. Most of them. They sit in their room and collect stamps or syringes or banana splits. <laughs> well, but we all live life in the first in the first person singular. But the thing is, I think a lot of people live very well. You know, dull existences out of choice, though. You know, not everybody wants to be Mr. Exotic, Mr. Exploration. What drives you in your case? Why, why do you have to do all this stuff? I learned to read when I was old enough to get my butt kicked. <laughs> that was real young. I learned to appreciate all kinds of people. I moved all over the United States when my daddy was in school. When he was in school, we had no money. And I had a little room in an apartment the size of two of those beds. Pop became a doctor. And one day, lo and behold, look what's parked in front of the house. <laughs> So I got to see the range, the sweep from one end to the other and appreciate them all for what they're worth or at least what I perceive it to be worth. But I got to see it all. And somewhere along the line, I, I learned to get in there and compete. Get in there and, 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 and be part of it. Get, in, get into the parade, you know. I was in the marching band for nine years. I played saxophone. Didn't matter to me. If you're going to be drum major one day, fine. You'd be the guy with the cymbals in the back to celebrate the drum major. Who's making the most noise? Hard to tell now, isn't it? <laughs> you're in the parade. And that's, you know, I got that from martial arts. I got that from 
organized sports. I got it out of school. I just never left it. Your father that way? Oh, yeah. Be involved. Go out and see it. You, you may use it or, or know what not to use. Mm -hmm. When you were a kid, like, uh, what kind of stuff uh, sets you apart from the other kids? Or did you pretty much fit into the crowd? I didn't fit into the crowd at all. I was always buried in books somewhere. I was always in front of a screen or in front of a speaker somewhere. And... I never perceived myself as a loner. I still don't. I enjoy people a lot. I'm a sociable guy. Conversely, I spend most of my time entirely by myself. Go climb. There's not a lot of hilarity up there. There's not a lot of talking and gossip going on up there. It's very introspective. And I've always felt very at home with that. I've lived by myself basically for the last 15 years. We tend to think of you as like a class clown type, though. You know, it has everybody rolling in the aisles, always doing practical jokes. You weren't that way at all. No. People always thought that I was being elite, that I was being snobbish or whatnot. I just found things that were more colorful on a page somewhere. I just found fascinations in addition to what was happening on the playground. When and where did you develop the, the flamboyant swagger that you're known for? <laughs> I mean, you didn't go from bookworm to, you know, <clears throat> playing uh, rock and roll over no. life. I was, I was in schools when they started integration in Pasadena, California. What year was that? Late 60s, 67, around there. And all through late grade school, junior high, high school, up through junior college, I went to schools that were almost purely minority, black and Hispanic. Um, I was bussing across town. The kid next door <laughs> went to the junior high and high school four blocks away. I was bussing across town for an hour and a half every day. Did you resent that? No. They became the kids, the white kids across town. I was involved in a whole different perspective. I grew up in it. And that changed the way I walked. It changed the way I dressed. changed my vocabulary. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of what was happening to me at the time. I didn't think there was anything unusual about it at all. It was just where I went to school. It was what I was involved in. Hmm. I, I didn't become overly aware of it until I joined up with Van Halen and began to associate with the kids across town and realized that they had a completely different perspective on music and whatever, movement, way we dressed. Uh, how does the guitar playing of Steve Vai stack up to that of Eddie Van Halen? It's world apart. Because the music is worlds apart. The music here is not guitar-based. The music here is a variety of influences. And there are guitar solos, but they're closer to the solos of things like the Beatles or the Kinks, as opposed to Edward, who at one time was a great innovator. He had compiled a variety of styles that we had learned together playing in bars, playing in dance clubs, in days before I was old enough to drink, we used to have to stay on the little stage, five, 45 minute sets a night. We had to stay on the stage during the 15 minute breaks because we weren't old enough to drink. Taking all of those various styles of music, whether it was KC and the Sunshine Band mixed with ZZ Top, <laughs> and creating something new and innovating with it. And we, we really had something there. And so a lot of music was based around that. And here it's a very different story. It's uncanny because, uh, you know, having followed you guys all the way from the beginning, uh, 
his playing doesn't sound the same without you, and your singing doesn't sound the same without him. Not to take away from, sure. away from it now, but it's, it's completely different. It's like really complementing each other, I think. Sure. Well, we grew together. We learned. We came from the same school, but, you know, mm -hmm. College of Musical Knowledge, you know, the road, the beer bar. And uh, you know, there's a certain chemistry. I might note that uh, I still don't know what Michael Anthony sounds like, although <laughs> researchers are looking into it now. They're trying to find it. That's another point altogether. <laughs> point well taken. <laughs> He's got to be playing, though. He's, he, he goes through the movements. He's plugged in. Sure. He's, he's, oh, he's there. <laughs> there's also an observation about there's a certain toughness to your music and lyrics. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, I drill my team constantly and play with authority. Play with style, but you can only arrive at that style through a lot of focus a lot of real strength not fake strength but real strength kind of comes from comes from your heart and that comes from a lot of drill a lot of practice a lot of lead with your face you have to use that if you're going to survive in business if you're going to survive in anything survive in music survive in what have you so it's not posturing by any means. No. It's something from inside. Yeah. Can you see that quality in other people immediately, do you think? No. No, I don't, I don't think it's something you can perceive of immediately. Because <clears throat> we all do little dances for each other. We all have affectations that we use or, you know, uh, you know, we all create ourselves. We all invent ourselves from based on other people or something that we get out of a magazine. We all do it. And we parade that down the street. But there's always a little crack in the woodwork. We try and hide it. That is what the rest of the world sees after a point, and that's what the rest of the world remind, remembers about you. The real you will shine through that crack in the woodwork. I was told that you're almost, you know, you're like a one big heap of ego, but that doesn't seem to be the case at all. You're very frank and very no. straightforward. No, it's why, why, why would people be saying these terrible things about you? Because most people are based on ego, and they can't perceive that anybody else could do it another way. It's not ego at all here. It's impenetrable spirit, but that's not self-image. That's not self-confidence. I'm not an overly confident person. But I know that my spirit is impenetrable. I can go forever. Now, when I look in the mirror, I don't see Caruso. <laughs> when I listen to the record, I don't hear Valentino. <laughs> Do you listen to your records? Almost never. Why is that? When I live and breathe them, when I put in the time on them from creating to recording to performing, hey, you play ball five days a week as a pro, you don't play ball on Sunday. That makes sense. One special quality you have is that you can keep the audience in the palm of your hand. I mean, having been following music for so long and having seen so many concerts, the first sign of a lame performer is the guy that has to almost beg the audience to clap along. Come on, get those hands together. It's like textbook, you know, chapter one, do not ask the audience to clap along. You know, that's, you're dying. You know, you're dying. In your case, it almost seems to be like uh, instinctive. You know how to keep these people in the palm of your hand. You seem to be laughing along with them and enjoying it. 
I don't play at the audience. I play with you. And it's there's a big difference there. Most musicians design a program, a premise, at the beginning of the tour, at the beginning of the career, and they'll just steamroll anybody who gets in their way with it. And then if it doesn't go over on a given night, they'll say it was a crummy audience. That's not real musicianship. That's not real showmanship there. It's you communicate. And if people don't clap along at a certain time, fine. We got a whole library of ideas here. There's a whole bunch of things that we're talking about tonight, you know. It's not essential. I don't require that kind of gratification, you know, that my ego doesn't need that people show that I'm in control. It's not a question of being in control. It's a question of let's take the scenic route together. <laughs> That's my point. You're always, it's almost a, a, a brilliant command of the trade. When you were first learning it, did you see anybody who like influenced you decisively in that direction and you knew had the same kind of abilities? No real performers grabbed an audience, but I perceived a lot of people, the influences that I described three paragraphs ago. And so, <laughs> Keeping this in print. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm great in depositions. <laughs> I perceived that a lot of those, those people did what was really true to their heart. And if you're going to get the applause right then, that's great. A lot of them didn't get the applause till they were dead. So be it. That's art. It's the big chance. It's the big shot in the dark. It's the big unpredictable finish. And that's what I signed up for. Of course, the $60,000 question. What the fuck is wrong with Van Halen? Why do they sound so bland? Well, Van Halen, I can only judge from the outside as a, as a previous fan. Mm -hmm. Van Halen is trying to create product. I don't believe that their singer really thinks he's as hot as he proposes. Mm -hmm. Henceforth, the overblown, <laughs> I don't know what you call it, proposals, <laughs> you know. His worth and the lack of others' worth. I don't think that they have the constant flux of fresh input, new directions coming in there. Which they had when you were in the band. Oh, yeah. I was always bringing in new ideas. Hey, let's try this kind of a song. Let's try that kind of a song. Let's create a hybrid out of the two. Let's take a chance. Let's gamble with it. You know, let's play, let's throw the dice, you know. And, you know, guitar players, bands are like boxers. Any great boxer has a certain number of money shots that are really good punches. The rest of it is so-so. And it takes a guy in the corner to call those shots. And that was what I contributed to the band. I do the same thing with, the, with my current band. Mm -hmm. I can see what Vi is good at and what he's not. I can see what the Bissonette brothers are good at and what they're not refine these things and put them into an order, put them into a format. Then once you've learned that in your bones, then you don't have to think about it anymore and you, you become 
more expressive. You can become more of your own style. Even more than that, it's a question of outside influences. And it's not just musical. It's live your life. It's what you do with your life, what you do with your body, which is another point. <laughs> comes out of your hands, comes out in your words, comes out in the, the way you look, comes out in the way you move, whether you know it to or not, whether you want it to or not. It's almost a very sad story because I read now that Eddie and, and uh, Alex are on the wagon because they apparently have a pretty bad problem with substance abuse. Um, you seem to be a very healthy guy. That's not, not a problem in your case, obviously. No. It never was. It always was with Van Halen. That's something that I couldn't say before the Betty Ford and Clinton graduation. <laughs> and uh, if, in fact, that is or was the truth about them having cleaned up, then I'm sure we will see it reflected in their show or their music. I don't buy it for a split second. Is that right? Oh, no. We go off the record for a second. Say it. Sure. This is off the record. Off the record. It's absolute bullshit. Those little chumps are more fucked up than they ever were. Think so. <laughs> Not think. <laughs> Not think. Well, I guess listening, I to, listening to music fact. is the first indication. Hey, man. Yeah. Look, look at their face. Mm -hmm. Listen to what they talk about. Listen to their, you know, on and on. We get the it's, point, yeah. Let's it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's not news, yeah. yeah. No. There's got to be a balance. I do my balance. I don't know what kind of poetry I'm going to get out of a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> you say you haven't been lucky in love, so you don't have any, any woman in your life right now. My last girlfriend and I broke up about a year and a half, two years ago. I'm obsessed with what I do. Mm -hmm. Most women can't put up with that for a prolonged period of time. Mm -hmm. Also, the kind of women that I like are very strong, very... They have their own life, they have their own focus, they're independent, and they have accomplished things. Not, I'm a model now and I'm going to accomplish something later. Sorry, I'm not a beginner. If I'm going to wake up next to her <laughs> every day, hey, you look for your own kind. And it has nothing to do with money, it has nothing to do with power. I'm trying to just accomplish something, you know. Any woman like that, this has been my experience, is not going to want to follow me from hotel room to hotel room, is not going to be content to follow Dave backstage and then uh, to the recording studio. Those are pets. And I found that my two Rottweilers are going to be a lot more loyal <laughs> and a lot more satisfying as friends in the long run as pets not interested in pets you know the girlfriends that i've had relationships with were not the most gorgeous you know of course they said opposites attract so you, you want to think you might want a quiet docile type how boring this is the 80s man <laughs> this is, that was nice. I'd, ra I'd rather go out with the gal who flew the jet here to tokyo <laughs> i had a female pilot on northwest airlines mm -hmm. as fan We'd like you to give brief critiques of four different performers. First being Axl Rose of Guns N' Roses. I don't know much and about that. Critique Axel. is performer. Axl's beginner. Axl's starting out. And it's really hard to tell potential early in the game. Axl uh, imitates plant pretty good. You think it's plant imitation? Oh, yeah. You know, 
Yeah, I could sing it to you, but you're not going to be able to read it. You know? <laughs> you know? But I, know, I do notice that some of his lyrics, although a bit moon in June rhymes with spoon, what's the uh, sweet gallo mime? <laughs> it's a pretty sensitive lyric there. If you really read the lyric, there's a, pretty sen- there's a real human being inside there. That dog will hunt. How about Ozzy Osbourne? Ozzy's a cartoon. I don't know if Ozzy even perceives of that. Probably not. Ozzy is product. It's a simple distillation of heavy metal in its simplest form again and again and again. All the people in his bands amount to, who's that? There's no real character to the music. It's bit players. Mm -hmm. And... I don't like it because I really like heavy metal or hard rock as a type of music. It's the bands that play it currently that I don't buy. Ozzy's one of them. Brian Wilson. Drugs do wonderful things (laughs) to people, don't they? They sure build strong bodies 12 ways, don't they? And I was I was a beach boy. I was a beach boy when I was in fourth grade. We were wearing surf shorts long before the door guard at the Lexington Queen. <laughs> and I was a beach boy for three minutes, 28 seconds when I recorded California Girls. And I think it was dope that, that sent Brian spinning off the road and kept on going. And it's the same thing reflected in the eyes of how many other musicians. All of Hendrix's best stuff came before the dope. Mm-hmm. All of Joplin's, Janis Joplin's best music, and Scott Joplin's came before the dope. It's, uh... Bon Jovi. There's no such thing as Bon Jovi. When there was Bon Jovi, a real Bon Jovi, it didn't sell. And it was an opening act for Motley Crue and an exchangeable character or sound for any number of other bands. When he stole my video premise, which was the way we shoot all of the videos, the color correcting process, he uses my lighting guy, he uses my camera people, he uses my production teams, etc. When he stole all of those premises for his video, when he started to sing exactly like Bruce Springsteen, as close as he could, and as soon as he got Paul Desmond to write his songs for him, well, then the name became more popular. But there is no such thing as Bon Jovi. It's an amalgamation of the Oh, yeah. Fairburn producing in his usual quality class style. So you don't buy that. I mean, isn't uh, doesn't deserve credit for it amassing all this talent and kind of no 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 doc mcgee his manager deserves the <laughs> deserves the blue ribbon i'm a critical son of a bitch mm-hmm. and i'm a critical as a fan i am a fan of these kinds of music okay i don't hold myself up as the light above any of these people if i talk about ozzy or john bovey or whoever that i'm not saying i'm not even bringing myself into the equation I'm not even adding myself into the formula. Just a fan Mm -hmm. of the kinds of music. I'm just sitting in the audience. I'm sitting in front of the stereo telling you what I think. I guess the last question would be, who's doing it right then? Who's doing a good job among your contemporaries? Oh, that's so boring to talk about. (laughs) 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 Oh, I don't listen to the pilots. Oh, come on, you 
it's you know it's hard for me to say currently um Bobby McFerrin has got some real interesting approaches there I think uh Phil Collins has some real some real things to offer I think uh ZZ Top has got some real things to offer I think uh Springsteen alternately has some things to offer mm -hmm. He's got a real message there. It's just so damn long. You <laughs> <laughs> just play it up a little bit. <laughs> okay, I'll catch you on the covers. Great, good questions. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tapes Archive podcast. Please remember you can always find more information about the show and the individual episodes at our website, thetapesarchive.com. Until next time, the vault is closed.